0: Greetings, Damon.
1: Greetings, Jeremy. How are you?
0: I'm well. It's not our usual day to talk. It's a day early. So are we more prepared or less prepared?
1: My motto is you just never know when the stimulus is going to hit you.
0: (laughs) I don't know how to respond.
1: I wanted to talk to you today
0: about a few different things. I wanted to talk to you about inner child, wounded child, worried self, how to hear from those, how to identify those, how to excavate and recover and address what they've got going on. But I wanted to start us out with a theory from my grandmother. So my grandmother is, funny thing to say, I think the closest comp in our culture is like Don Draper in Mad Men. That was my grandmother. (laughs) She was a pretty legendary marketer, inventor, and executive. She consulted on the first menu for the Four Seasons, but also for Burger King when they were developing the Whopper. Wow. <laughs> she invented Clamato and cran Apple and cran Raspberry Juice. She was a founding food editor at Seventeen Magazine. She preceded Julia Child as the food editor at uh, Parade Magazine. She was a far-ranging... Consultant, marketer, and many other things in the food world. And my mother told me after my grandmother died in her 90s a theory that my grandmother had had for dealing with these executives that were not short women
2: (laughs) as she was (laughs) in
0: her day and, you know, kind of high flyers in the New York seen in the 50s and 60s, particularly. And her theory was this. Something happens (laughs) to everyone at some point. Some big thing happens. And they stop psychologically. They are stuck at that age forever. And what you all need to do in dealing with people is you need to find what age they are stuck at, and then talk to them or talk to that person at that age. doesn't mean condescend, but all their motivations, all their fears, all their anxieties are going to be rooted in a particular moment. So is that a seven-year-old at the other end of the board table? Is it a 17-year-old? Is it a 27-year-old? What? So first off, what's your take on this theory?
1: Wow. I mean, my take is that I think there's a lot of validity to this theory. And interestingly enough, I am currently doing a training with an organizational psychologist. And this man's father was uh, a pioneer in his fields in a similar time that your grandmother was a pioneer in her field. And Obviously it's a different uh storyline altogether with a woman in this high level ad exec New York Mad Men era. But I bring this up because the founder of what is now known as the human element. This is the training that I'm going through. This man that's running it now, his father pioneered this this theory Called uh, Firo Theory F I R O, and within his understanding of human behavior, he began in the military. And what he what he discovered was that not all the the most effective and efficient teams aren't all the high flyers. Hmm. That they are actually the ones who have a greater understanding of their own behaviors, and the subset of that being inclusivity, control, and openness. And the feelings that are associated with that are significance, competence, and likability. And what the fears that uh, the psychology and all the, the science and the data uncovered were that this, these secondary fears were really running our behavioral show and those were in the in the down the line of inclusion and significance those were i am afraid of being ignored or abandoned and then down the line of control and competence i am afraid of being humiliated and embarrassed down the line of openness and likability i'm afraid of being rejected and disliked and i bring all of that up because i think that that is what your grandmother was gleaning from her experiences with interrelational experiences is really spot on with a lot of what uh, some of the science and psychology and um, some of the most effective teams has borne out
0: so the self awareers outperform the high flyers because we all have those inner voices. Is that what you're saying
1: yeah, and that And to to use your grandmother's concept there, when we're not aware that we have been traumatized to some degree, and I don't really mean that as a capital T, traumatized, but when we're not aware that we have been stunted in some way, we are really navigating and steering from that place of unawareness, and we're making decisions based on our fear, our, excuse me, we're making decisions based on our feelings and not on our intellect or our, our thoughts.
0: And what I found is you can paint over it or build on top of it all you like, and you can have all rationally and even what you feel positively, and it just gets swept away over and over again by this voice this doubt those fears that you articulated are so influential and it made me want to go back and build that self-awareness and think about okay let's say this is true or it's true to some degree <laughs>
2: hmm.
0: there's a a buried dinosaur egg that's hatching and then roars and knocks everything down Mm. in my life from time to time. And I may even be self-sabotaging by setting up moments that are necessary for this creature within me. Mm. And what, so then the question becomes, okay, what is that moment? Where am I stuck in time? And who, who is this wounded child? And then, what do I want to do with it? So, the first, like, before we get to the what to do with it, who. If you you want to go first, you want me to go first. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> I've had time to think about it, but maybe it's better fresh. If you think about that theory for you, what are some of the moments or past selves that you think are are the the iceberg underneath?
1: Well, if I think about it, my parents divorced early in my life. I was three. And I believe I lived with my mom. My dad was in my life for sure. And we spent a lot of time together, but my mom was the day-to-day. And we lived in eight different apartments in the first nine years of my life. Mm. So there was no real safe sanctuary. And I was shuttled off to random babysitters quite frequently before I even began kindergarten. And so I think the world was a little scary. And, and it's not to say that there wasn't any real dramatic thing that happened, but it was just this sense of uh, not having a, a safe space. And I think that that really in, set the stage for what happened when I was around 10 which was my mother remarried my stepfather got a job in california i was living in michigan i attempted to move out there which was just lonely and and heartbreaking cuz i had i really missed all my friends and just my the culture in the midwest was much different than where i was on the beach community in santa cruz and so i i opted to come home and live with my dad and This is the moment I'm talking about. When I walked in the door as a 10-year-old, I just flew across the country. I'm in heartbreak having left my mom. And my stepmother said, I thought you said he was never going to live with us. Uh... That was it right there. That was this feeling of there is no place where I am feeling welcomed. And I think that when I read you that list of where my triggers are, it's around inclusivity and feeling significant with those fears beneath them feeling ignored or abandoned. And I can see that in my life in many different types of situations that will pop up. I also can reflect back on my life and see how that influenced or effect or affected uh, my perception of different situations, different dynamics that I got myself into, and I was unaware of those things at the time. so
0: Do you find this is building on what I've found? Do you find that ironically? rather than seeking out a lot of stability or building a super nesty home that would be the counter to the instability and the flux that you had, that you actually have a fair amount of flux and aren't necessarily comfortable in a home. These are total guesses. I'm not saying this is how you are. I don't happen to know you in a home environment way but i just know from the pattern of myself that i'll bring up that you would think at first blush that we we would go for the the opposite of the trauma but often we consciously or unconsciously recreate some of the elements of it but i don't know if that's true at all for you
1: so as i mentioned eight apartments first nine years uh a lot of turbulence with. The coastal Midwest feeling not really welcomed. Throw in there that I became a very successful tennis player where I was traveling around to national tournaments. Neither side of my family had a whole lot of money. So I was traveling by myself and was being housed with a host family in one of these cities around the country. And Fast forward to my 20s where I accepted a job that was a director of a tennis club that was only open seven months of the year. I spent the other five months of the year traveling. So I did that for eight years through my 20s. Fast forward to yesterday where Mm -hmm. I laid my head down on a pillow in a home that I purchased as a 51-year-old for the first time. So I think there's a lot of truth in at least my story being that the coping mechanism became the superpower. It became how I self-identified. I was very proud. I've been to over 50 countries. I'm more comfortable on the road than settled and stable. And I've done a lot of inner work. And I think that, and I, there's a lot more to, to, to go, but I do recognize that (laughs) <laughs> is it a coincidence, Jeremy, that as we finalized the, the sale of the house that I was looking at, Airbnbs for a three-month winter getaway? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The inner child. The yeah, inner child there is, is there. Little Damie, 10 years old. My
0: own investigations are much more recent. This isn't my field. (laughs) (laughs) I only heard this theory from my grandmother after she passed. And it did though make me want to go, okay, well, what would that be for me? And that has led me on this journey to the questions I've been asking you. So I'll just give you some of my own investigations and findings and we can talk about what to do with them. Please do. So I don't have... A known big traumatic childhood event. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can think of you know disappointments or surprising things, but not even that big on the level of disappointment or that big on the level of surprise. My parents didn't divorce. There weren't sudden deaths. Uh, I didn't even have a dog that you know ran in the street. My little sister was born. That was probably something, but I was four. Mm -hmm. I think I was able to assimilate that pretty well. We get along. So thinking about it, I did think of two big things. One obvious and one less obvious, but I think maybe even more important because it happened a lot earlier. So one is late. It's my sophomore year of college, a friend and role model from high school and then college. we went to high school together and then he went to the same college I did or I should say I went to the same college he did because he was a year ahead of me, died. And he died by committing suicide. Hmm. And it was totally shocking because he was the person I would have least expected of anyone in the world. He was super popular, really smart, very successful, very funny. There was a essentially like voted by the student, like best person in the school, high school, most popular and most likely to succeed thing in high school. And for his year, he won that. He goes to Harvard. And you can think of people as being neurotic and uptight at Harvard, but that wasn't my outward experience of him. I remember his work-study job <laughs> was as a nude art model.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that just doesn't suggest a lot of insecurities, at, at least at point. I don't know if it was work-study, maybe I'm stretching things a bit, but he had that gig. He he showed me how to break into the kitchen for the dining halls to get donuts at 3 a.m. hot out of the oven. <laughs> He skipped a final when I was visiting before I even entered the school. When he learned I had not, he learned the shocking fact I had never seen a Jackie Chan movie, and he was like, "We looked it up." He was like, "There's a midnight showing of Rumble in the Bronx right now. We're getting on the subway. We're doing this Uh, before a final." He had a killer Donald Duck impersonation. He could fit eleven hamburgers uh, in his mouth. He had the 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 talents that, that. invite admiration of others, especially other young men. But he was struggling, and he was depressed, and he took his life. And I found out about the struggle and the depression to the degree I did afterward. But it was just the most surprising thing and the most perspective-altering thing. And it just made me think, I don't know anyone. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know anything. People have so much more going on, and I need to be there for them as fully as possible and let them know that they can talk to me and that they can be helped and that I'm there for them, and I just need to be way more open so they don't feel like they can only show one side. To me. There has to be a a safety there, a safeness in in showing anything. And then for myself, I also have to really think about what it is to be happy Mm. and satisfied and not rely to some degree on external markers or or validation or at least conventional paths. Because this is someone on the biggest and brightest path. With so much admiration uh, from others and enjoyment from others, that 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 wasn't enough. The other thing, and this is thinking back earlier, and this is my middle school experience <laughs> with my parents. Mm. So my dad's an English professor for forty-two years at college level. My mother's a writer, and. Writing and reading are important to them, <laughs> as <laughs> as they are to me, by coincidence or not. <laughs> and when I was writing, starting about ten, they would edit my writing, my school assignments, and you know the old phrase, "going to the woodshed," like mm. you're, you're going to get your. You're going to get walloped. Well, we we called it going to the clipboard. (laughs) (laughs) And whatever I did for school, I had to do early enough that I brought it writing-wise, that I Mm -hmm. brought it to them, particularly my dad, and then it would be edited like a college paper. Mm -hmm. And it would just be filled with red (laughs) ink Mm -hmm. and pencil marks. And... I hated it. And I was so resentful. And I felt terrible. I was like, why do I have to do all this extra work? Why do I have to do this? It's fine. I'm getting good grades in school. Nobody else has to do this. Aren't they teaching me at school? And it was like, no, what they're teaching you isn't good enough. It's not to our standard. So you got to learn this. And they would have these things and I'd hate them and I'd hate it. And I'd Really resist, but then I'd take the edits eventually because it was the way to move on and try to do the changes and I would do them, and it it would get better <laughs>
2: mm.
0: and it started to shape up, and then that started to feel really good I was like wow this is this is a really strong fifth grade five paragraph essay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing in some some major mojo. <laughs> and over time, of course, I assimilated those lessons and incorporated them and they receded. They were still there, but by even high school. So I'd gone to graduate school by the time I went to high school. And of course, that was a huge advantage in many ways. And I had these skills that Had come from that rigor. At the same time, in thinking about it these days, I think about some of the tensions in my writing life, or even the fact that I am a writer. And the story I told myself for many years, which I'm sure is true, is that a lot of it comes out of that experience of losing that friend and role model to suicide and really finding my own path. I'm wanting independence and self-satisfaction and integrity, and also to have a job where I am able to listen and report on other people and their wholeness and fullness, and recognize and validate them, and also share that and convey that to others, and surprise and inspire. I think it's also true that, gosh, am I just recreating this cycle of being 11
2: <laughs> hmm.
0: and wanting something to bring to my parents, but I've internalized it. And I can have such an internal critic where it's, this is terrible. What are you doing? This sucks. Ah, I don't know what to do. Oh, well, just keep pushing on it, I guess. And still not okay, but try this, try that. Uh, Well, hey, wait. Now it's got a piece that's working okay. And ah, yeah, that punched it up a bit. Well, maybe this is okay. I'm going to escape. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get through the clipboard. I can share this. I can send it out. And then I do. And then I enter that situation again. So I'm setting myself up for all that criticism. And even when I get positive things, it's almost like they're the middle school teachers. It's like, oh, well, they don't know Benny. (laughs) They don't have our standards. (laughs) Mm. And so to me, those are the two selves I think that are there inside me and that are, I don't know, egging me on, setting me up, sometimes sabotaging, have a lot more of the wheel than I think I
2: consciously realize. hmm Wow. There's a... It's a really interesting. I
1: mean, as obviously you've gone on to become a very successful writer, and in a way, our stories, albeit they're very different from one another, they they've informed the, our identity and even the part of our identity that we that we have pride and value about ourselves. I am capable of. Being in any environment and being able to function, I can be dropped in Delhi or Detroit and be able to, I know what to do. And that that feels like a skill for me and and for you to be able to go through these long processes to be able to actualize a, a published book. And all the iterations and re-edits and and all of that, which is just something that I marvel at, and many people do who are not writers. it Turns out that that's something that brings you back to that ten, eleven years old phase of your life. And I think you asked a question within all of that that was, to me, really where it where the the bullseye, and it's like well, around happiness what does it mean to be happy and i think that if we maybe reverse engineering this and like i mean if we if we can potentially agree with the thesis that true happiness is to be an integrated whole person that understands there are shadow elements that there are buried traumas that have been unearthed to some degree, but yet that can still function in this holistic way with a deeper and more compassionate sense of being just a complex human being. I think for me, that's, that's what I'm striving for. And I don't know if I've put voice to that very much. So to go back to your story, even when you're successful, is it, is it true to say that, that it's, there's like, okay, I checked the box and now let's move forward? Are you able to bask in the accomplishment? Are you able to appreciate the the struggles along the way or does it do, does it fall back into this idea uh, around self concept in this model that I'm was speaking about earlier the firo theory which is stands for fundamental interpersonal relations orientation and if we think about self concept self self-signif- self significance self competence and then self like underneath these ignored abandoned humiliated embarrassed rejected disliked these feelings of being afraid of being worthless or helpless or unlovable. Within that type of model, can you go into the hot tub time machine back to your double-digit self and speak with him, speak with that younger self? And if you are capable of doing that, what would you say?
0: That's exactly... The work that I've been trying to do lately, where I've been doing meditations or
2: visualizations, and thinking or seeing myself at that age,
0: and that age, I guess, in both incidents, so it's different ages, and the theory is multiple in that. It's not just going back. It's assuming that those people and past selves are still very, very much part of me Mm -hmm. and that they're inside of me now. And so we should be working together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or there's the the ghost in the attic that haunts me Mm -hmm. or basement. And it's been so meaningful <laughs> mm. i have to say it's funny it's like oh you need to go talk to your parents or whatever like it's nice i can talk to my parents pretty well i could talk to them about this i could have this conversation you know that i'm having with you with them and that's been a result of work and effort and time and shared interest but it's it's pretty rare and i don't mean to discount it but ultimately like they're just false fronts any other outside people I think often that you can view as an obstacle Mm -hmm. because things happen in your life (laughs) something's gonna stick (laughs) Mm -hmm. let me tell you why
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I I, this came up to me so recently my daughter is 10 (laughs) she's semi-schooling semi-homeschooling like so many of us these days Mm -hmm. and so gosh who's her teacher I am Mm -hmm. a lot of the time And I was working with her on her math, and she just started fifth grade, just had to re up on like multi digit number multiplication Mm -hmm. (laughs) and adding fractions with different denominators. And it was achingly familiar to me, even though it was math and not English. On, on both fronts, the, the pain and embarrassment and frustration and also the satisfaction and attention mm. and elation in her and in me as she really didn't want to go over it. She didn't want to do it. Fine. Okay. Hmm. Well, let me try it. Okay, I'm trying it. I'm still not getting it right, but I'm trying it. Ah, now I'm trying it. Oh, wait, I get it. Wait, stop. Let me do it. Mm. I'm doing it. To do, do, do I can do it, this is great. Thank you so much. I'm sorry, I was mad mm. <laughs> and I was, of course delighted at the turn from hostile when I'm trying to help to grateful when I'm trying to help, but also like, oh my gosh, am I setting up this dynamic again? but what am I going to do? Not have her no math, mm. and also, this is the worst thing that ever happens to her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great, but thinking about it. Yeah, I had to think, what would I say to her? Which helped me think about what to say to myself.
2: And it was that it doesn't matter if you're good at math.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. You have inherent value and worth because you are a human being and you're alive. Mm -hmm. And that's confusing because it's not as if I'd be lying to say the world acts as if you have value because you're good at math (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying it's not something that I don't value when I have a pretty narrow mind and thinking you just got to get your homework done you got to learn this stuff you got to you know get smart but why (laughs) and I guess it's Because it's fun to be able to do things. And it is a game to be able to play the game of playing with numbers. Just like it's a game to be able to play with the game of ideas and words. But I realized really deep in the core of myself is, no, your value comes from what you can produce and the quality of what you can produce and that's common but it i think it is pernicious and the idea of you have value and worth just by being alive and this is something to play and explore and have fun with but it doesn't it doesn't actually matter in <laughs> hmm. the big scale of things yes outcomes will be different but outcomes will always be different <laughs> depending on what levers are pulled. And so what? You can do more. Does that mean someone who can do less is worth less? And if you wouldn't say that about them, why would you say it about yourself?
2: Hmm.
0: And especially if no matter what you do, no matter what you quote unquote succeed externally isn't enough, then how are you succeeding at all? So I just want to say they're really concerned I'm talking to the 10-year-old now, you're really concerned. You guys are really engaged. You're excited. That runs hot. That runs cold. That runs happy. That runs sad. And just, it's fine. You're fine. You're already fine. You don't have to know any of this. You don't have to do any of it. Go ahead. Do it. Learn it. Play with it. But you can hold it a lot more like, and hold yourself more lightly and just be sympathetic. People just get worked up. They're worried. W- what pressures were put on them? <laughs> mm. What lessons were they told when they were 10? What lessons does society tell all of
2: us, our particular society? And it's okay. And you're, it, it doesn't
0: matter. It doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're worthwhile no matter what you do. And these are just, things to do because you can do something all day. That's some of the conversation that I had via her and my niece who, my adult niece who helped me uh, think through some of this stuff, trying to articulate it, trying to figure out what, what's going on. What are the messages I got? What are the messages I need to say back Mm. to her and to, to that, that kid inside me?
1: How do you feel saying all of that? I really like,
0: The challenge being flipped (laughs) from do something that's good enough to be worthy for another moment and then go back to nothingness and unworthiness again to can you really live with this creed of having inherent value and worth because you are a human being and alive? Can you fall back onto that field? And can you think of all the ways you're challenged in that? Can you go person by person, strangers, friends, neighbors, people you've worked with, people you admire, people you feel better than or worse than, and see this as just a a pretty silly ephemeral layer on top and just... Being alive and being human is is what matters and is also what connects you
1: hmm so we've gone back to the inner child I'd like to teleport to the older men that we will become hopefully and let's say at the ripe old age of ninety you're looking back on your life what would you see if you swelled up with warmth and pride in how you showed up if what if what matters is being a human being how does that inform and manifest in your value structure And I think for lack of a better way of saying it, just how you showed up in life, what do you want to see?
2: I think efforts like this one to become integrated, as you put it, with my biggest picture values as well
0: as the concerns of the day and with my past selves as well as who I am in the moment is something I really value in myself. And I also think that openness to other people, just trying to really be open to them exactly. And, and it, I don't consider it a stream. It's actually what I like. It's, it's I find the greatest sense of ease in it. But I still think it's rare to just be open to people as they are whatever their past and present selves are, whatever situation they're in, just enjoy them as they are and find hmm trying to what's the word? Peermanship, hmm. <laughs> pa- not parody, like just commonality and connection, I guess. Or just like in it we're in a togetherness. I'm sure there's a, a snappy one word for all that. I'm a writer, but we usually get to to edit. <laughs> <laughs> And so I think that's part of it. And I think that the other things all just follow from that, right? Like the obvious thing to say is like when you're 90, you're like, oh, I was a good partner. I was a good parent. I was a good child. I was a good friend. And I just think if you get right with yourself, <laughs> that's easy. That all just falls into line. I remember someone saying in her relationship theories that she'd been reading, like, you get married, you have kids. People think, oh, the priority needs to be like, I got to take care of the kids first. Then I got to take care of the marriage. Then I got to take care of myself. Like, that's maturity. That's my real order of things. And she was like, but what I've read is that it's actually the opposite. <laughs> if you take care of yourself, your marriage is going to be fine. And if your marriage is fine, the kids will be fine. <laughs> Mm -hmm. The dominoes fall the other way. I don't know if caring for yourself. Selfish, maybe that's destructive or something. But I think getting right with yourself isn't the same as just being selfish. So I think, yeah, if I can be totally integrated and accepting of myself, then that will incorporate everyone else pretty quickly. How about you? What do you answer when you think of that going forward? Or how do you talk to that inner child today?
1: That's interesting. Another thing to consider is just choice of profession. And I'm in a profession that typically there's a blank slate and I'm the one asking the open-ended questions. I'm the one who is radically curious about you. I'm reframing what you're saying. But there's very little... About me in that. And it, it just recently I was getting some feedback from some, some people who I was doing this training with around my self concept and how much I like or don't like myself. And some of the most pointed feedback was take away your. Lavish experiences and personal successes, and globe trotting, and all of that stuff. This is what this person was telling me. Take all that away, and I don't. I'm not sure. I see somebody that really likes themselves, <laughs> and and I was a little bit of a needle on the record for me, and I just have. I had to take that in and and think about it. And I, I do believe that there's some truth there. That there's this, there's this thinking and feeling, and then there's this being and doing. And to go back to one of our earlier episodes, there's this cover story and the secret garden is potentially a place that hasn't been nurtured as much as it needs to be. Mm. And that felt very scary to contemplate. And I, there was a twinge of defensiveness that I didn't show, but I felt. And so here I am espousing these different mental models and coaching others walking on their path. And yet there's some of those elements that I I think I have convinced myself that I, I've done a lot
2: of inner work and also that I can intellectually
1: understand the trauma uh, and different traumatic experiences that have happened in my life. I can have those conversations with my parents, as you said you did with yours. But have I had enough conversations with the 10 year old in there who's still looking to be accepted and, you know, cared for and safe? So I think looking back on my life, 40 years from now i would i would say something similar to what you said it will it won't be the accomplishments it will be the bravery and the courage to go inside and be integrated with those elements and and i think there's a distinction between healing and and solving there's no solving there's no that 10-year-old will always be there. It's really more about bringing it up into awareness and nurturing having those conversations with that that person that that's stunted or bruised time frame. I'm I'm picturing the imagery of like a tree, the rings of a tree which for just indicating age and really at that that 10-year-old ring, it's just dark and frayed. And being able to ultimately accept that and use it to be more human and with that to have a deeper level of acceptance for other humans. And I was doing an imagery exercise the other day around this concept where the prompt initially was, imagine that you could shrink down to a very small size and go within yourself, explore around, and then imagine that you can see the world around you. And I had this imagery of people as two-dimensional cardboard cutouts. And it was interesting because What was happening, I think, what what I took from that was that it's a quick judgment that I make. Is this person safe or unsafe? And, of course, the the judgment ends up being, in that moment, it ends up being about them, but it's really about me. Hmm. And really everything, as a thought experiment, you may consider that everything is your choice in life. And just by merely making that consideration, I think it helps. And it when I look back on my life, I'm, I'm wanting to see not just my clients in a professional setting, but more just a more humanistic setting, seeing people as more integrated and three-dimensional, which I believe will help to, in, in so many ways, it will help. It'll help to give benefit of the doubt. It will help to maintain a sense of curiosity and keep options open. We did a a show recently on mantras, and one that's rattling around for me is where is it? Where is this decision that I'm in right now moving me? Is it moving me back into this guilt and shame, or is it moving me towards more of the options and curiosity? And I think that's really interesting to be at a place in life professionally and, and happy marriage, child who I adore, but that I'm now, and potentially with a feeling more grounded, now being stable in one place, I've been in the same town for over a year now, that it's allowed me to slow down and look and stop running, set that snow globe down, and then see what's happening inside on a more deep and rich level. So I'd like to look back at my life and say that I was a a wonderfully flawed human who became a little less violent with himself and a little more capable of contributing in whatever way that manifests. I think of
0: just knowing that the kid is with me. And I say kid, but I also mean whatever, the the twenty two, 21-year-old, the 10-year-old. And I'm sure <laughs> there are other cards in that deck. But for me, it's been helpful over the last week of just seeing when I'm having a feeling, just, just saying, well, let me think about this for both of us. <laughs> mm-hmm me as I am now and me as I am then. And often if I address it or talk it through from the perspective of, of then or that perspective of the 10 year olds, I find that the feeling recedes or is addressed so much more completely than if I address it from my current adult perspective, which suggests to me just how much the kid was, was on the lever of the feelings, the ghost in the attic or the basement and know that that and just bring them up and so you don't have to be in the attic or the basement just just uh we're, we're just we're in it together mm. and to know as you said so beautifully that's true for everyone else too mm. and whether they know it or not and if i guess maybe in the grandma formulation the madman formulation maybe it's kind of manipulative you're trying to do a deal but i think it's also just like whether the person is integrated or not you for yourself and for them almost just need to the more you can integrate them,
2: <laughs> mm.
0: you can see them as a whole person, even if you don't know the whole story. And just say everyone's got a bunch of people and pieces in them.
2: I whether really they're like showing
0: that. them, whether they're knowing it or not, I think it'll it'll serve everyone. And I love the idea also of not just talking to them, but but then also getting wisdom from your elder self too.
1: Mm. I think there's so much empathy as a byproduct to what you just said towards others and so how do we help our young my daughter's 8 years is 10 how do we help them to as you said understand and embrace that they are just a human being and that's really enough i think i i'll push back a little with language that you used around saying it doesn't matter and I, and I, I know your intention is in the right place there. I think if I put my coaching hat on what I would like to try to create is some language with my own daughter around helping her explore this concept of showing up, like what matters to you. And I know that's a not necessarily the easiest thought experiment for a young person, but sometimes I think we don't value the depth, both spiritual, emotional, psychological depth and richness of young people because they don't always know how to put words to these really rich and and complex concepts. But just as Young children under the age of five, before they learn how to paint, are all practically Picassos. (laughs) I think that one of the roles we can play as parents to help to potentially empower our children to stay connected to not just this concept, but what it is in practice, is to During those fits of frustration during math and the subsequent breakthrough and change of of attitude and behavior, maybe it's on us to say something even more deep or more open-ended than it doesn't really matter you're a full human being and more along the lines of helping them to explore their inner richness Because here we are in our 40s and 50s talking about our 10-year-old selves, I think it might be a disservice for our 8- and 10-year-olds not to be able to talk to their 5-year-old selves. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Starting that relationship earlier in life may be one of the greater gifts that we can give them.
0: Yeah. I like the, you don't have to have the negative spin or, or
1: some seemingly
0: negative spin, if it doesn't matter, dot, 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 you can have the positive basis of you have inherent value and worth.
2: Mm.
0: We're doing this. We can do it a whole bunch of different ways, but just to be clear, like that's not what's at stake here. Mm -hmm. I love you and that's not conditional. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I hope you enjoy yourself in a way that's not conditional. And this is part of your experience of life and part of the ways you'll be able to experience things in the future and express yourself through this activity we're doing and to be clear though as a starting point
2: you're valuable and worthy just just by being Mm -hmm. i love that any final
0: words to our audience to our inner child mm-hmm. from your future self <laughs> mm-hmm. or heck, uh, if you want, who you are today.
1: Yeah, I guess I would just maybe wrap up with a small activity around, we, we spend a lot of time exploring within our careers and going on adventures, yep. external adventures. Most of this is external I would invite people to just put their hand on their chest and scan through their body and do a little archaeological dig within. Doesn't have to be chronological. Doesn't have to be the deepest, darkest places to do any cave dive, but start to just see what comes up small moments, seemingly insignificant things, and just start to pay attention to the thread of your life and and marinate and meditate on this concept that just because you are whatever age you are doesn't mean that you have detached or disassociated from all the experiences that got you here. There's a 40-year-old if you're if you're 80 there's a 70-year-old, there's a 10-year-old. If you're 30, there's a 20-year-old, a 5-year-old. Do a little exploration and start to see with that question that I had asked, where is it moving me? And notice some of the triggers. Are you feeling more options, more curiosity? Or are you feeling more guilt and more shame? And baby steps with this, but if you can attempt to continue to explore those different facets and triggers and experiences, you may uncover some of the things that Jeremy and I were talking about as we've uh, uncovered. And I have to say, from a personal perspective, it's feels like one of the more important things that, that I can do in my life. So. Go easy with yourself, but give it a try.
0: Thank you so much. I love that exercise. I was, I had my hand in my heart the whole time, and I just was saying, "Welcome, welcome, welcome." It's not to be overcome or papered over and got past. I think it's to be integrated those selves and just have them all in the room, or the stacking Russian doll of yourself, or whatever you want to call it. We're, we're in it. Together, they're there whether you're seeing them or not, so you might as well see them. Mm. Thank you, everyone, for listening with us, for journeying with us, for excavating with us, for integrating with us. We're so grateful to all of you. We've gotten some really nice feedback in the last couple of weeks. Keep it coming. (laughs) That 10-year-old needs satisfaction.
1: They love me. They really love me.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Yes. And let us know how your own journeys are going and what you want us to tackle next.
1: Jeremy, I appreciate you very much. And thank you so much for bringing this topic up. It was really, really helpful for me to explore. And I just appreciate you. So thank you so much.
0: Ah, you too. More soon.
1: Stimulus and Response is hosted by Damon Valentino and Jeremy N. Smith and produced by Matt Mullins at Black Rooster Productions. Please rate, review, and share the show. And please join us next time for another stimulating exploration of the best parts, best ways of being human and being alive.